Our mission at Rain City Church is to experience God in the everyday. And especially in a time like this that we can't gather in person, our, our pace of life has, has changed drastically. It's really important for us to recognize that the presence of God is with us everywhere we go, that this isn't something that's just slated for one hour on Sunday, that this is something that we can experience uh, every day, that we can become more like Jesus, that we can look more like love. And so one of the ways that we do that is we do spiritual practices throughout the year for two months of every year, uh, we, we practice six spiritual practices. It looks like this, responding, releasing, renewing, investing, centering, and enlightening. And we have just finished releasing uh, the accountability and confession, and we're moving now into a time of renewing, of Sabbath rest and recreation. And we have asked our friend Scott Erickson to teach us again on what that means. What does that look like? Scott Erickson is a very insightful, funny, just all around cool guy, incredible artist, which always speaks to me. He and his family actually just recently, just in the last week, moved from the Portland area to Austin, Texas. So coming from Austin, Texas today, would you please give a very warm online Rain City Church welcome to Scott Erickson. Greetings to you all in the name of the triune God uh, who knows us and loves us and according to Jesus knows everything we need before we ask. And so we open this sermon this morning by going, God, you already know everything we need. You know everything we need. Do you, do you know? Yes, you know everything we need. Uh, greetings from Austin, Texas. Uh, my wife and family, kids, and I just moved here like three days ago, and all my camera equipment is in the truck, and this rental house is, there's nothing in it, and it's pretty echoey, uh, and I'm using my wife's phone because I don't have a camera, and she's got much more space in her camera. So uh, that's how this video sermon's gonna go. A little weird. I'm gonna go outside so it's not so echoey, but uh, that's where I'm at. Uh, this is an introduction to our next spiritual practice, which is renewing, which is primarily found in the practice of Sabbath, which admittingly, and can I say, just sounds like not the thing we want to talk about right now. I mean, I'm Sabbath is traditionally known as taking a day of rest, honoring God with our, our rest and, and trusting in, in its providence, celebrating what we've been given. And I say that to you. You who have been inside, homebound, uh, who have endlessly day after day been enjoying what you've been given, have run out of creative ideas to entertain our children who are home, actually maybe have lost their work or have diminished work and, and are like, you know, rest is great, but I've had a lot of rest. Actually, uh, I'm so rested, I would like to be overworked again. <laughs> That's maybe how we feel. When we plan this series, the practice of Sabbath in a very noisy, busy culture makes sense. We need time to rest and reflect and calm down and practice silence and solitude and those things to unplug from the rat race that our culture constantly puts onto us. But how do we come to a place of Sabbath rest and renewing when our government officials, our business employers, our medical professionals, our spiritual guides all say, hey, why don't you stay home for a while? Why don't you take a break? Why don't you be home and slow down now? What does Sabbath and renewing look like when in a place where we've already been forced to slow down? 
And I, I also want to reiterate to those of you who are in the medical field that this probably doesn't ring true to you. You're still working. And there's also people who are watching this probably still working. And so uh, just an asterisk to you. Thank you for your service and all your hard work. And uh, you are really heroes for us right now. So thank you. Quick side note, there's a lizard on our gate. God bless Texas. I don't, I don't have a tripod or anything, so I'm using a lot of windowsills. Uh, so the author of Hebrews in Hebrews 4, he references the, he, the Hebrews who were coming out of slavery, Exodus, the Exodus story, uh, who didn't engage in God's rest, who didn't enter into the rest and ended up wandering for 40 years. And in this passage, um, he says about them, I'm going to use my computer as a reference. He says, uh, the promise of arrival and rest is still there for God's people. God himself is at rest. And at the end of the journey, we'll surely rest with God. So let's keep at it and eventually arrive at the place of rest. Not drop out through some sort of disobedience. God means what he says. What he says goes. His powerful word is sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense, laying us open to listen and obey. Nothing and no one is impervious to God's word. He can get away from it no matter what. Now that we know what we have, Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with rea our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. So I want to show you the image that we are using to describe renewing because it came to me at a time when I needed to figure out work and Sabbath. Um, and it's this image here. Now, the image uh, I titled The Reality of Work. So um, it's probably not surprising, but when you decide to be a professional artist, it's not like the universe is like really great and just starts dumping cash into your lap. You're <laughs> being like, good job, let me pursue your passion. It's mostly a thrifty existence. Um, and look, there, just like in any business, there are really good months and there are some pretty thin months. And I remember in one of the pretty thin months, I had a lot of anxiety. I didn't know how I was going to pay my bills. And I remember praying and asking God, like, how should I think about work? Because when you're self-employed, you, it's up to you. Like you could work all day long, seven days a week and never like take a rest. Right. And I was like, I don't, I know you're asking us to do Sabbath and all of that. And I'm not sure how to think about that. Can you give me an image? Because that's how I often uh, experience and, and deal with God. And so this image came to mind, which shows these hands and this rower in the middle. Now, um, the rower, the robo says, hey, look, how to think about work. You got to do something. I mean, you can play video games all day long. And unless you're trying to become a video game tester, like you need to get up and do something. There is like it is on you to to work. But. We also need to understand the context in which we're working, that providence is offering grace and love and provision in lots of ways that we don't see. And every now and then, say once a week, it's good to take a break and stop and, and understand and look for how providence is taking care of you. Because yeah, it is up to you, but it's not all up to you. And so uh, this is a meditation to enter into that rest, into that Sabbath rest. And so when I did that, here's how the Sabbath rest would go for me. I'd wake up in the morning and I'd try not to look at my phone or do email or something, you know, make some breakfast, do whatever. And then by noon, uh, inwardly, I'd be like, everything's going to fall apart. It's all going to go down. Ah! 
life would be filled with anxiety. Sabbath was never really relaxing for me. It was always just like, wah! And then by five o'clock, I'm like, maybe it's not gonna be so bad. And then seven o'clock, I was like, I think I'm gonna be okay. And Sabbath for me was a lot of like detoxing. Detoxing from the rhythm of like thinking, of like it's all on me, I gotta do everything. I mean, Sabbath was more of a detox than a rest for me. And what was the detox showing me? By, by stopping, my interior hidden life was being revealed. I mean, God's word, like that scalpel, was flaying me open and showing me all the things that were really going on inside that had been masked by the busyness of working and busyness and all those things. And by stopping this interior life, this in, these interior emotions that are driving so much of my life, I had to look at them. And they're very frightening. Look, Sabbath is a big deal. Like it's one of the Ten Commandments wedged in right between like how to deal with God and how to deal with people. And it, it's a very long passage about, about how important Sabbath is. And it was constantly discussed in the Jewish community. In fact, when Jesus was around, the, the religious leaders at the time often used Sabbath as a way to trap him, to like to set a trap and try to get him theologically off. Like Matthew tells a story and we'll look at it here, and I'll use my computer as a reference. Uh, but Matthew tells a story. He says, uh, when Jesus left the field, he entered their meeting place, and there was a man there with a crippled hand. And they said to Jesus, is it legal to heal on the Sabbath? They were baiting him. And Jesus replied, is there a person here who, finding one of your lambs fall into a ravine, wouldn't, even though it was the Sabbath, pull it out? Surely kindness to people is as legal as kindness to animals. And then he said to the man, hold out your hand. And he held it out and it was healed. And the Pharisees walked out furious, sputtering about how they were going to ruin Jesus. There are many aspects to the story that we could discuss, but I think which is, what is really interesting is how many like emotions are being revealed in this conversation. I mean, the Pharisees are furious. They're trying to bait Jesus. Jesus is like, aren't you, like he speaks about kindness and joy. He speaks about love. He's saying like, if you guys are worried about rule following, but if you saw something you love in harm's way, wouldn't you be compelled to do it? Wouldn't love compel you to break the law? What he's alluding to is the point of Sabbath, the point of entering into God's rest is to enter into love, is to rest in love. And love will guide you. Love will show you the way of what to do. Like Sabbath is a time, is a time for refraining from work, to, to detox, to slow down from all that is driving you to survive in the world. Sabbath is a time to celebrate and enjoy what you've been given, to see that providence has given you so many gifts and like to practice gratitude, do that communally, celebrate all of that stuff. But what is also interesting about Sabbath is that Sabbath reveals the interior emotions that are driving us in our lives. It's showing us like, when we stop, when we stop the movement, those things will bubble to the surface and we begin to see them and go, whoa, I'm so angry or I'm so afraid. And I'm trying to being off, I'm, 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 I'm being offered a chance to enter into God's rest, but this anxiety and this fear isn't allowing me 
to do that. So when we talk about emotions, I know I'm in my bathroom, just trying to mix it up. <laughs> when we start talking about emotions, emotions can be really intense. And so how can we talk about dealing with our hidden emotions in, uh, in a really helpful, inviting way? Uh, I'm going to read a long quote from this wonderful philosopher named Martha Nussbaum. So just stay with me. I'll put the words up here and uh, we'll get to something after she says, because she says it perfectly. Do not despise your inner world. That is the first and most general piece of advice I would offer. Our society is very outward looking, very taken up with the latest new object, the latest piece of gossip, the latest opportunity for self-assertion and status. But we all begin our lives as helpless babies, dependent on others for comfort, food, and survival itself. And even though we develop a degree of mastery and independence, we always remain alarmingly weak and incomplete, dependent on others and on an uncertain world for whatever we are able to achieve. As we grow, we all develop a wide range of emotions responding to this predicament. Fear that bad things will happen and that we will be powerless to ward them off. Love for those who help and support us. Grief when a loved one is lost. Hope for good things in the future. Anger when someone else damages something we care about. Our emotional life maps our incompleteness. A creature without any needs would never have a reason to fear or grief or hope or anger. But for that very reason, we are often ashamed of our emotions and of the relations of need and dependency bound up with them. We are all going to encounter illness, loss, and aging, and we're not well prepared for these inevitable events by a culture that directs us to think of externals only and to measure ourselves in terms of our possessions of externals. What is the remedy of these ills? A kind of self-love that does not shrink from the needy and incomplete parts of the self, but accepts those with interest and curiosity and tries to develop a language with which to talk about needs and feelings. Storytelling plays a big role in the process of development. As we tell stories about the lives of others, we learn how to imagine what, other, what another creature might feel in response to various events. At the same time, we identify with the other creature and learn something about ourselves. As we grow older, we encounter more and more complex stories in literature, film, visual art, music that give us a richer and more subtle grasp of human emotions and of our own inner world. So my second piece of advice closely related to the first is read a lot of stories, listen to a lot of music, and think about what the stories you encounter mean for your own life and the lives of those you love. In that way, you will not be alone with an empty self. You will have a newly rich life with yourself and enhance possibilities of real communication with others. What Martha's saying is that the way that we deal with our fragility and our incompleteness is that we have to have kind of a self-love that acknowledges that, that gets curious about it, that wonders, okay, well, what's going on here? And develops a language that can talk about it. And then she says the way that we learn to talk about it is by telling stories, by reading stories, by listening to music, by watching films, by talking to other people. And this is how we come to develop a language to deal with these interior lives. Sabbath, when we remove the 
the uh, rhythm of work and busyness and stuff and our interior lives are revealed and that's freaky to us and we don't know how to talk about it. What we need to do is we need to gather and tell stories. Can, do you understand like this is what church really is? Is that we gather together and we're with each other and we confess, we acknowledge that we live in a world that's chaotic and scary and frightening. I mean, if a lot of traditional liturgies say like, Hear, hear God, hear our prayer. God, ha Jesus, have mercy on us. Like we, we're finding ourselves in this lost, desolate land. See us, come to us, be with us, right? And then somebody gets up and expounds in like their rental house that needs a paint job. And somebody tells stories about how God's working in their life. And we tell story, old stories. All faith traditions tell old stories is because by telling those stories, we see that those stories weren't happening back then, but they're happening right now. So I think for those of us who find ourselves in this weird kind of anxiety-ridden rest and homeboundedness, like it, what, what we can view Sabbath as is not like, oh, taking a day off and taking a nap, although do that if you need to. But what we could engage Sabbath as is like a chance to tell stories and get in touch with our interior emotional lives that are driving us. Because that is our deepest, deepest conversation with God. Do you, when you are in the world now, do you feel safe? Do you feel God cares about your life? Do you feel like God has any interest in how your life turns out? This is driving all of how you view and live in the world. And so how can we do that? Instead, like some of us, like I'm an Enneagram force, and I'm like, let's talk about emotions all the time. How can we do this in ways that aren't so frightening or gives us easy steps? Let's do this. Let's do these kinds of things. Let's say... What are uh, the way that we can have conversations, probably with FaceTime or with our spouse, our friends, uh, our kids or whatever, but on FaceTime or, these, or Zoom or whatever, is we could say, hey, what is your favorite song right now? What's a piece, what's something that you've read that's really stirring in you? What, uh, what are you watching and why are you watching it? Are you escaping or did something really stir in you? What's something, like, is there a poem that's sticking out to you, a, a scripture verse? Is there something that, that's really working on you? And then, and then go, yeah, it's working on me because hey, it reveals this and this and this. And this is a way that we can expound on these interior lives that Sabbath helps us open up to. So for your practice of renewing, of Sabbath keeping, in a time where it feels like we have a lot of rest, our practice can be reflected in, yes, stopping from our work, enjoying what we have, uh, worshiping God, giving thanksgiving, all of that. But also, let's take the time to tell stories and let's get in touch with where we're at, in touch with each other. It's not a solo thing. It can be a communal thing. And this can become a part of our practice that makes us deeply human and brings us closer to the heart of God. Uh, grace and peace to you all the way from Austin. There is no deeper Sabbath rest for the soul than to know that we do not have to perform our way into God's good graces, to know that we don't have some unpleasable Heavenly Father who just says, well, unless you do everything exactly right, then I love you. That Jesus shows us the Father that we have in heaven is the one who loves us as we are, that knows everything about us and still says, I want to be with you. I want to help you grow. I want to show you what love is, and I want to help you love yourself and love others and the way that we know that we have been made 
right with God is because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And so I would just encourage you, uh, as we've been doing for these last few weeks, just grab any kind of communion supplies that you have around the house of just, you know, some, some bread or a tortilla or whatever you've got. And if you've got juice or wine or coffee or water, whatever it is, it, it's just about what it symbolizes. If you missed last week, I would really encourage you to go back and watch last week's message to really understand the deep symbolism that Jesus has given us uh, with communion at the Last Supper, that this wasn't something that he just brought into existence, that this is something that existed 1,500 years before him, that he has taken pieces of the Passover meal and brought so much significance to it because he became the fulfillment of these pieces. So I would really encourage you to go back and watch that so that you can have an even fuller and better understanding of what communion is and why it's so meaningful. So we take the bread that signifies the body that was broken for us, Jesus' body, and we dip it in the cup that signifies Jesus' blood that was shed for us. And today before you celebrate communion, I would just ask you to pause for a moment and to pray and to ask God God, how can I experience more of that Sabbath rest of the soul in my life? Let's do that now.
Thanks for listening to the Rain City Church Podcast. We love that our community exists for so many, not just in the greater Seattle area, but around the world. Please push subscribe and feel free to share our content. And for any more questions or to get more involved, check out our website at raincitychurch.com. We hope to see you to Sunday soon.